Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. all you heroes and champions, crows, pirates, and inquisitors. Welcome to the Dragon Age Lorecast. I'm Shelby. And I'm Austin. And we are so excited to bring you this podcast. Every episode, we'll be talking about a different topic in the Dragon Age universe. From the Maker to Lyrium to Aravels, we will cover it all. There will be spoilers. And always remember, swooping is bad. Hey, Shelby. Hey, Austin. All right. You ready to talk about some Dragon Age? I'm so ready for this very special episode. Yes. Well, in case you were unaware, today is very special because today is Dragon Age Day. Yeah. And so we brought this. We thought it would be a good time to bring you this episode and start a kind of Minnesota minnesota kind of thing that we're doing where we take a deep dive into some of the what we're calling main characters of the story so it's not just the the player characters like the inquisitor or the hero for elden or the champion or hawk like it's also these companions like fenris varick alistair you know morrigan these other main uh characters that are essential to the story of these games yeah. And so, Shelby, why don't you just kick us off? Who are we starting with today? All right. Well, today we're starting with everyone's favorite dwarf, Varric Tethris. Woohoo! I know. Everyone loves Varric. I've literally never seen or met a Dragon Age fan that doesn't love Varric. I'm convinced you're not a Dragon Age fan if you don't love Varric. <laughs> uh, and any Varric haters out there, you could still be Dragon Age fans. But I do. We do question you just a little bit. But you can still be Dragon Age fans. Um, sure. Sure. I'm convinced that the Dragon Age fandom loves Varric a little too much. Okay. Well, let's not get into that. Let's get into the content. <laughs> All right. So, let's talk about Varric. I know that Varric is a surface dwarf who was from Orzammar at one point. Incorrect. Oh. His family Varric's is from Orzammar. family is from Orzammar. Okay. Varric considers himself to be from Kirkwall because that's where he was born. Okay. 
So he was born in, I'm going to start out with my fun facts like I generally do. Varric okay. was born in 9-1 Dragon, which I find That's very funny. interesting. I, I You said earlier you think that him being born on the first in the first year of the Dragon Age gives credence to the um, fan theory that Varric is the maker. Okay, well, let's, I know this is a tangent, but I'm just going to come up. Let's talk about this for a minute. <laughs> okay. Because the chan- we, as established, our firm stands that the Chantry, while not a one-for-one analogy, does have strong Christian overtones in it. Okay, yes, we agree on that. Jesus is born. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm just saying. It just glee- it leads credence to the theory. Because, you know, Jesus is born at the turn of, I don't even know what you would call the turn of the middle, the middle of time, I guess. I don't know. Year zero. Year zero. Um, I mean, Jesus was really probably born anywhere between, you know, before year zero to after year zero. We don't really know. Um, it's technically the estimate is um, like two years minus two BC or whatever it's called to right. three CE. Right. And so... FYI. Okay. Thanks. Um, so that's that. But, like, you know, Varric, like, these are these... It's a parallel. You could give credence to this theory that Varric might not be the maker, but he could be an incarnation of the maker, if we want to talk about that. Okay. But I'm not going to... I detract this too much. <laughs> We're not going to get into, like, incarnation and all that stuff. So... Yeah. Continue with your fun facts. Okay, well, Varric, the human, or the, the dwarf, the person, uh, he has a brother named Bartrand. As we know, we've met Bartrand. Uh, Varric is a rogue, unfortunately. Varric is a rogue archer. And his occupation, he has a couple different occupations. He's a writer, I think, first and foremost. He's also a merchant prince. He's head of House Tethras now. And he is the leader of a spy network. All right, I have a question. Does he actually? Yeah, does he actually sit on like the governance of the merchant princes? The merchant princes of? Like, isn't there like? Aren't the merchant princes like the unofficial leaders of either Ravane or Antiva? It's Antiva, yeah, but those are the Antivan merchant princes. Oh, okay. He's just a merchant prince of a, he's a dwarven merchant prince. Like he's a he's a main main player in the dwarven merchants guild. You know, um, right. just because he's a merchant prince doesn't mean that he's one of the Antivan merchant princes. That's fair. I understand now. Okay, so like you said earlier, he's a surface dwarf. He is a member and leader of House Tethris, and after the events of Dragon Age Inquisition. He is the Viscount of Kirkwall. Oh. Everick moving up in the world. Mm-hmm. So the Tethris family was once a noble family in Orzammar, but Varric's father was caught fixing, proving, so like rigging them, and they left for the surface because of the scandal, obviously. Bartrand was born in Orzammar, while Varric was born in Kirkwall. So, Bartrand has, you know, these, like, 
nostalgic feelings toward Orzammar, whereas Varric does not. Um, Varric's never been to Orzammar, as far as we know. Varric does not consider that to be his home, even though he is a dwarf. So Varric considers Kirkwall to be his home. Varric always has a nickname for his companions, with one exception, and that exception is Aveline. Because this Abilene continues, right? Well, yes, and there's a little bit of banter about that. Um, but this continues not only from DAI to Inquisition, but from Inquisition into the comics as well. Um, so, Austin, I asked you earlier if you thought that Varric, if you were going to put Varric into a Hogwarts house, what house would you put him in? Okay. So I know gut, you've thought about this a lot. Right. My gut response is Hufflepuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just because Varric is intensely loyal. Um, and he will go to great lengths to stay loyal to those who he considers friends and people worthy of his loyalty. Right. But I think I have since changed my mind after I thought about it more. Okay. And I believe everyone's favorite dwarf, lovable companion, Varric, Tethris, is a Slytherin. Say more? Because I believe that Varric uses his cunning and ambition to further good in the world, absolutely. But it's still cunning and ambition. Like, he seeks to... He does seek to, like, make a great name for himself, but, like, he does that through more behind-the-scenes work. Like, he doesn't want to be up in front, but he protects people, and he makes sure people that are in with him are well set off. It very much strikes me as a Slytherin. Well, that's interesting. Do you want to know the real answer? Oh, there's a real answer. Because there is an answer. There's a right answer. There's a real answer. Okay. Mary Kirby who's a Bioware writer, and she is the writer of Varric. She says that Varric is a Hufflepuff. All right. So your instinctual response was correct. Okay. <laughs> I do think you have a point um, about the traits of Slytherin. Like, I do think he's cunning and ambitious, and I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. But from the Harry Potter perspective... Which, you know, this is clearly a major tangent. But most people have traits of other houses, not just their own. Right. Look at Harry. And I was just going to say, well, Harry's not a good example because he had Voldemort's soul living in his body. That's fair. But even when he didn't, he still had traits of Slytherin. Right. I was going to say, look at the Weasley twins. Yeah, that's fair Uh, too. But... I was but or Hermione. Yeah, I was just gonna say that the Hogwarts houses are not the binary quadinary. (laughs) Did I just make that word up? Probably. Yeah. Um, (gasps) That J.K. Rowling wants us to believe it is. Well, J.K. Rowling wants us to believe a lot of things that I don't believe in. So let's just move on from there. Okay, but I'm just saying like. The lines between the houses are much more blurred than the yes. books present us to them to be. That That's a really good point. 
And it's also crazy to decide 11-year-olds what their defining characteristic will be for the rest of their lives. That is true. All right. Let's move on. <laughs> so Varric um, is a Hufflepuff. Varric is a Hufflepuff. He's in good company. Okay, so there is a reference to Varric in our other favorite Bioware franchise. In Mass Effect Andromeda, after you complete the game, an email can be read from the Tethris saying this. A great story, Pathfinder. I'm going to write a book about this. I have so many conspiracy theories now. <laughs> Doesn't that lend so much credence to the fan theory that Mass Effect and Dragon Age are in the same universe? Yes, well, like maybe Thetis is in Andromeda. Right? Right? It, it's very interesting. But I do not want us to get bogged down in this. So, Does Thetis have two moons? No, Austin, that's... I don't even know if Thetis has one moon. Well, it's got to have a moon. It has tides. Um, but no, I'm thinking of the Elder How do you know it has tides? Because I've seen this. Have you ever been to the Storm Coast? That's fair. Okay, that's fair. Okay, thank but you. But that could be the wind. It's very windy. Have you ever uh, seen like Michigan? Yes, but make Michigan also has a tide. <laughs> That's fair. Okay, let's move on from this. All right. Okay, so I think everyone's big issue with Varric is that he's not romanceable. Yes. Right? So according to David Gator, Bioware writer, they almost did, quote, slip something in there. Um, they talked about having the interrogation with Cassandra in Dragon Age 2 end with Varric meeting back up with Hawk and explaining that he'd told them everything, in which Hawk would say, everything? And Varric would respond with, don't worry, I skipped the part about us. Aww. I think it's cute. I'm so conflicted on whether or not I would want a Varric romance. Right. It's an interesting thing. Well, first of all, I am a hardcore Cassandra Varric shipper. Cassaric. Cassaric, yes. Um... So I don't know if I don't, I'd want to give up. It's also like one of the main reasons I've never romanced Bull or Dorian because I'm also a hard Dory Bull shipper. Um, mm -hmm. And so I don't know if I would like it because so fun fact in my last DA2 playthrough, I learned that there are indeed flirtatious comments you can make to Varric as Hawk. Just one. Yes. And it felt wrong. Mm-hmm. But also oh so right. Maybe. Well, anyway. I obviously said it because why would you not? But. <laughs> That's fair. So, yeah. Um, 
I don't know. I just am like a real big fan of platonic friendships in video games, especially yeah. um, ones that are of opposite genders. Yeah, I definitely hear that. Um, but yeah, I think that Varic Romance would be interesting, but I don't, it's not something I necessarily like really want, like that I'm striving for. That's fair. I get that. So Varric appears in the majority of Dragon Age media. Um, he appears, obviously, in Dragon Age 2 and Dragon Age Inquisition. We know he will take some kind of form in Dragon Age 4, whether that's just as narrator or um, like a, another advisor or as a full-fledged full party member. We don't know. Uh, but we do know he will make some kind of appearance. Right. He also appears in, I think, all of the comics. Night Errant, Until We Sleep, Those Who Speak, and The Silent Grove. I don't know if he appears in Blue Wraith. I don't think he does. Um, but he also appears in Tevinter Nights. So he's all over the place, um, especially in the comics. So if you need more Varric content, read the comics, please, right. for sure. So I wanted to talk about Varric's books because I really think even though we don't necessarily get to get that much content about Varric's status as a writer, I think it really makes up so much of who he is as a character. Um, and so I wanted to talk about his books for a little bit. So... Varric is an accomplished author renowned throughout Thetis. Um, most of his stories are focused on outcasts and tragic mistakes. His editor is part of the coterie um, of Kirkwall and is actually very feared for her preciseness in grammatical issues, <laughs> um, which is funny. His publisher also seems to withhold a lot of information from him as Varric was like unaware of the success of his work um, among the, or the, he was unaware of the success of his work among Orlesian nobility, at least before he attended a party at the Winter Palace. Hmm. And of course he, ha he has his critics Mostly among the Chantry, of course, as we could guess, because they uh, they just think it's a little too smutty um, and, you know, not appropriate. Which I think it's hilarious that Cassandra loves his um, books then, especially Swords and Shields, because she's so loyal to the Chantry. I mean, she was the right hand of the Divine, you know? She's up there in terms of rank um and she loves his book so i think that's right. funny it is funny it's one of my favorite little plot lines yeah me too all right well let's talk about his works a little bit so his first book published when he was 19 no when he was 18 is called the dasher's men published in 918 dragon and this plot focuses on a feud between two members um or two different Carta clans and there's a pair of castless brothers who are caught up in the middle of the feud this is his least known work and his first book 
It's the only novel to feature a dwarven hero. And I think it sounds a lot like Varric and Bartran's lives. Right, it does. His next book is called Dark Town's Deal. It was published in 920 Dragon, so he's 20 years old at this point. And this is actually a serial, not a novel. So it is a serial about the Coterie. And then in 923 Dragon, he publishes The Viper's, the Viper's Nest, which focuses on a feud between two families in the Dwarven Merchants Guild with the main character as an elven courtier who is caught in the middle in between the two families. Interesting. It is interesting. I want to read that one. <laughs> and then his breakthrough work is Hard in Hightown, which is published in 933 Dragon. Right. And so Hard in Hightown features a clash between a secretive group of agents of the divine with a mysterious organization called the Executors. They're fighting over a mysterious artifact while a very weary member of the Kirkwall City Guard Donan Brinakovic is caught between the two groups. This is a very much a theme in his writing. Right. We've got two fighting groups and somebody's caught in the middle. So the chapters of Hard and Hightown were published kind of irregularly due to the unrest in Kirkwall at the time, of course. But Hard and Hightown has been the best-selling book in five countries since 936 Dragon, and it eventually outsells Brother Genetivi's Travels of a Chantry Scholar, and it becomes the widest read book in Thetis outside of Tevinter. Wow. Interesting. I know, right? That's crazy. So Varric is officially like the most famous author in Thetis. Right. So, because of that, uh, there is a sequel called Hard in Hightown 2, Siege Harder, um, that's in the making. Oh my gosh. So, and, and then of course we have the plot um, in Dragon Age Inquisition that is a war table mission involving Hard in Hightown 3 called The Repunchening. I don't want to know what that's a reference to, but... Um, we find out that this was not authored by Varric. Instead, it was written by a rival dwarf named Worthy that we can meet in Dragon Age 2 um, that is impersonating Varric. Right. And then finally about Hard in Hightown. Hard in Hightown was actually turned into a real book written by Mary Kirby, who is the writer of Varric. Um, and the book actually lists Varric as the first author. I know. I think it's so sweet. Yeah. And then there's the classic. The classic Swords and Shields. Yes. <laughs> so Swords and Shields is first published between 931 and 937 Dragon. And this is a romance series about a guard captain that falls in love with a Templar knight captain. Though Varric huh. considers huh. it the worst of all of his books, the series still has its fans. It's very interesting. I think, well, if you've ever seen the cover of it in game. It's Aveline. 
It's totally Aveline and what's his name? Donick. Donick or Wesley if you're doing Templar Night Commander. True. Yeah, it's yeah, but the main cover is a woman and it looks just like Aveline. Right. And Aveline and Cassandra are the two characters that love this book the most in game. Right. And that's what I was going to say. It was like, there's no way Aveline was able to read that. Like, she's too smart to be like, Varric, what are you doing? You know? <laughs> yeah. And so just, you know, like, she would know. Yeah, she would. Um, but anyway, she loves the book. So there are a couple more. Um, this one, the next one is called The Tale of the Champion, and it is most likely published in 937 Dragon, um, and this tells Hawk's story. Right. Which, and then the next one, yeah. I was just going to, no, continue with the books because I'm going to talk about a bigger okay. plot thing. Um, so there's two more. Tales of the Inquisition's Agents, published between 941 and 944 Dragon, follows the adventures of various agents of the Inquisition. And then his last one, as far as we know, is called All This Shit is Weird. And it's published 944 Dragon, and it tells the story of the Herald of Andraste and the adventures of the Inquisition. And I was just going to say, like, with these books, it's very much like the game is setting up. Sometimes the question is raised, like, why Varric? Why is Varric so, like, important and present for all of these events? And I think that, like, at the start of DA2, Bioware or someone in the Dragon Age team made the decision to have this story told in-universe. By right. an in-universe person. Sort of like, you know, like in Lord of the Rings, like technically that story is written and told by Bilbo and Frodo. Well, that's true. Yeah. And Tolkien kind of plays this thing as like he's translating it for us. Right. And so I think that Varric is kind of like the bard of this tale. And I mean bard in like the traditional sense of a bard, not the, the storyteller. Yeah, not the assassins of the game. Um, yeah, yeah. And so I think that Varric is very much taking this role of the bard, the storyteller, the person who is there to, you know, tell the story to those who want to hear it. Mm hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. So to close us out for this little mini sode, I just wanted to talk about why we love this character and when we do other main characters we could do love or hate this character but i think we both really love Varric. so i wanted us I, I just wanted us to be able to share why we love Varric. so you can go first i think one of the reasons that i love Varric so much um it's also just kind of basic like everyone loves the you know smart mouth you know morally gray person who has a weird attachment to either a weapon or a vessel like you know like Varric is very much the like Han Solo archetype character yes yeah um and so like there's something natural about there because it's like 
they're charming and they're charismatic. But I, one thing that I love about Varric is that Varric, there's so much underneath what Varric presents mm-hmm. to himself. Um, and like this oozing thing of confidence that he said, that he like gives is really a mask for his own insecurities. Yeah, that's fair. Probably. And even his own regrets, because like, if we look at like, when you go and do his quest in Dragon Age 2, and he's telling Cassandra how he really confronts, like his version of confronting Bartran. You know, you go in just Varric and you basically like one shot everybody. You remember this? Yeah. Yeah. And then Cassandra basically just says, that's crap. That's not what <laughs> happened. Tell me the real story. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it just kind of like, and then Varric says, it's like, okay, but like, it's not pretty. And like his own, he's using that like confidence and bravado to mask his own pain and regret about the Bartran situation. Yeah. yeah that's a really good point. Um, and I love the dynamic between Cassandra and Varric, especially when you learn about like, when she says, did you know Varric is Andrastian? Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that scene so much. Right. And I think the more you talk to Varric and the more that you see him interact with other parts, you realize that this is a person who deeply cares about the people that he's around. Yes, exactly. Like the, the way he cares for, you know, Meryl and the way that he cares for other members of the party and the fact that the way he is so fatherly to Cole. Um, mm-hmm all of these interactions that he has and like yes he pokes fun at cassandra but i think that she is actually the person that he might trust most in the world other than hawk yeah yeah i go back and forth so much between whether or not i want Varric and cassandra to be together or whether or not i as the inquisitor want to be with cassandra right and so there's so much about Varric that is just, there's so much you can dive into. But like, and like I see in a lot of myself, like I see my own personal beliefs in Garrett, in Varric a little bit, especially like he so much has compassion for Anders. He so much wants to like see Anders succeed and see Anders have a good life. That when he finds out what Anders does, he is genuinely heartbroken by what happened. Yeah. And feels responsible, even though he had nothing to do it. Because there's a conversation you have with Hawk where you can ask about Anders or ask about something. And he says, well, Varric said this is an opportunity to fix the mistake that Blondie, like, made, you know? And it's just, like, a thing about, like, Varric thinks about that. Varric very much has this strong sense of loyalty to his home and to that. And so the fact that Anders after Varric's kindness and compassion would attack Varric's home is, is an ultimate form of betrayal to him. And just the heartbrokenness that happens there. And like, I know I joke a lot that I rage killed Anders in that moment, but like that is kind of like the same kind of thing. It's like, you know, we were rooting for you 
and we were all rooting for you tiffany yeah yeah exactly you know <laughs> yeah anyway yeah, i kind of hog the time so you that's go. okay that's okay i was just gonna say um it's funny that you talk about how you see a little bit of yourself in Varric because I was going to say the same thing. Um, and not that I really think that our personalities have a lot in common, but like, you know that TikTok sound um, that's like, looks like a cinnamon roll, could kill you, mm -hmm. looks like a cinnamon roll, is a cinnamon roll. And then you always tell me that I'm, looks like they could kill you, is a cinnamon roll. Well, that's how I feel about Varric, yes. um, because he very much puts on that front, that air of like, well, I could kill you without you even looking. Like when he shoots the guy who tries to pickpocket Hawk at the very first time you meet him, um, like that kind of confidence, that swagger, like right. he wants to put that on and make you think that that's really who he is. But deep down, he's a cinnamon roll, like right. he's a sap. He cares so much about the people that he loves and he doesn't want to see them harmed and he's loyal to them and he wants everybody to live a life where they're happy and they're flourishing and they're not being attacked by darkspawn or demons or Templars or any of that. Um, and so I definitely love him for that. But another reason why I like Varric a lot is because he really does defy a lot of stereotypes, um, especially stereotypes of dwarves. Like, usually when you think of a dwarf, you think of, okay, he's short, he drinks beer, he has a huge beard, he, you know, is constantly drunk. You're picturing Ogren right now. And Varric is not really that at all. Um, oh, he's a warrior that fights with a sword. Well, Varric has a crossbow. Um, Varric doesn't have a beard. Varric has chest hair, but he doesn't have a beard. Um, and so I do think he defies some of those dwarven stereotypes, which I always appreciate um, when they do that. So those are some of the reasons why I love Varric. Yeah. Well, look forward to in the future a couple more minisodes about some characters. Uh, I hope you all have a very happy Dragon Age day. Thanks for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. As always, you can find us on Twitter at DA Lorecast. If you have any lore questions, topics to unpack, or side character suggestions, email them to us at dalorecast at gmail.com. The Dragon Age Lorecast is a part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club. You can join the Robots Radio Network Discord by clicking the link in our episode description. If you enjoyed our show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe and give us a review. See you next time. Are you a fan of Elden Ring? Are you confused about the lore as pretty much everyone else? We've got you covered. Check out the Elden Archives, a lore podcast that helps to explain every little confusing detail about the lands between. Things like what exactly happened on the Night of the Black Knives, or what we really know about characters like Mikola. Just like the show you're listening to now, we're on the Robots Radio Network, so you know it'll be good. Wondering how to find the show? Easy. Either go to robotsradio.net or search Elden Archives on whatever podcatcher you're using right now. Bookmark the show for later, and we'll see you in the lands between. Again, that's The Elden Archives, a FromSoft Lorecast, available everywhere.